Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Oh, 
asked the man I saw how many Jews in this town. He said to me, there used to be a minion around. But one of us passed away and we've been feeling down. Yet now it seems as though another Jew has been found. Won't you stay with us for Shabbos, Minion Man? I step off the bus in Mobile, Alabama. The sun was slowly setting on the bay. Six o'clock on a summer Friday afternoon. Shabbos was an hour away. I walked around the town wondering what to do. But Shabbos is no time to be feeling blue. And then I saw a man who looked the same way too. I was quite relieved to find the fellow Jew. Then two more went into a shop that read closed on the door. There was a minion in the back of a hardware store. Nine men waiting for one more. We ushered in the Shabbos with a beautiful song. The Chazan had a voice that was clear and strong. He sang out his words. Then Mara came again, I had to be moving now. I asked the man, I saw how many Jews in this town. He said to me, there used to be a minion around. But one of us passed away and we've been feeling down. Yet now it seems as though another Jew has been found. Shabbos was carried on a song. Whoa, I asked the man I saw. 
for Shabbos Minyan Man. Oh, won't you stay with us for Shabbos Minyan Man? Please, won't you stay with us for Shabbos Minyan Man? JM in the AM, Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Thanks for joining us, everybody. I'm glad to speak with all of you from New York City. To everybody around the world tuned into the Nahum Siegel Network. Good morning, good morning. It's Friday on this June 21st, day 18 in the month of Sivan, the year 5779. with candle lighting time at 810 later today. 810 is candle lighting in New York. A lot of synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. By the way, let me do the weather first because if you're in the New York area, it's a monsoon out there. And you got to be careful. Um, flooding like crazy. 70 degrees, 94% humidity. Winds west at 5. Showers today should go on till early afternoon. A high of 79 and clear tonight, low 63. Then we get a couple of really nice days. Shabbos and Sunday, Baruch Hashem. High of 81 for uh, Shabbos Day. Yerushalayim is at 81. Up in Guilford, New York, our friends at Camp Masora, who are, believe it or not, already getting things set for the... Uh, Staff and campers who eventually will make their way up there in the next few uh, in the next few days, over the next ten days or so. It's fifty nine degrees up there in Guilford, New York, one of our favorite places. Here we're at seventy in New York City as we say good morning at JM and the AM. Let me uh, let me um, give a couple of Mazel Tovs here. First of all, Tzvi Aryeh Zemel, his bar mitzvah took place last night in Passaic, New Jersey. I want to take this opportunity to wish Henny and Fred Zemmel and the entire family a very, very special Mazel Tov because of another simcha we were at. We were not able to be at the bar mitzvah, but uh, we do want to wish them a very special Mazel Tov on Tzvi Aryeh's celebration. Uh, then last night we did have the opportunity to be at the uh, Nathan and Mermelstein uh, family's wedding. Mazel Tov to Mr. and Mrs. Pesach Nathan, to uh, Aviva and Simcha Mermelstein, and of course to the Hassan and Kala. Esty and David were married last night in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. It was a wonderful and incredible celebration. Uh, so we say Mazal Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. And the Mermelsteins, one of the great families from this neighborhood here on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. It was just a pleasure celebrating with them, Mazal Tov. And... Um, Yesterday, I wanted to announce this toward the end of yesterday's program because yesterday was the day uh, she was named, and I didn't get to it, and I apologize, but I must, must take this opportunity to wish Goldie and uh, and Dove Kramer of Passaic, New Jersey, a mazel tov, and of course, to their entire family. Um, uh, they had a uh, a granddaughter. They had a granddaughter whose name is Sarah, named yesterday. And uh, I take this opportunity to wish uh, Goldie and Dove, and of course, <laughs> the parents and other grandparents <laughs> of, of the young lady, a very special mazel tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. I'm just looking for some of the particulars. As Oh, I, I think I just realized. I think I know where it is. Um, I'll give you the particulars in a second. So we got a lot of Simchas Baruch Hashem to report, a lot of things uh, uh, to tell the community about that are wonderful, thank God. Um, the uh, the parents of the uh, brand new uh, baby girl, Hodia and uh, Yosef Gleish, they're up in the Muncie area. So to the Gleish and Kramer families, we say Mazal Tov from all of us here at uh, JM and the AM and for... Uh, 
for uh, Goldie and Dove. It's their very first grandchild, and again, a very, very special major mazel tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Uh, also, I wanted to toss in another mazel tov. This coming Sunday, um, the Kreindler and Gifter families are going to be celebrating Hadassah and Avraham. Hadassah and Avraham are um, going to be married. So the Kreindler and Gifter family is going to be celebrating in uh, Brooklyn, New York. Uh, I am not able to be there, unfortunately, but I do want to take this opportunity to wish uh, the Hassan and Kala and their families a wonderful Mazel Tov. And, of course, I'm tossing in an extra Mazel Tov to uh, listener Sina and to Mr. Listener Sina, who no doubt will be there celebrating this coming Sunday, the wonderful occasion. So we're kicking off the show with a lot of good news, aren't we? Unbelievable. Um, a lot of things happening this morning on a Friday here at JM in the AM. Uh, we're going to hear from uh, New York State Assemblywoman Neely Rosick from the 25th Assembly District. Got an update from her. Our good friend Jonathan Gellis is going to join us. Something really heartwarming and beautiful has taken place, and he'll explain uh, coming up at about 7.30. Weekly update, of course, with Malcolm Honeline at 7.40 Eastern Time. Rabbi Yudin will join us at about 8.15 with Parshas Bahaloscha. Rabbi Ruvain Tarragon is in from Israel. He's scheduled to join us. Lots of big news from him. So we have a full, and I mean full, JM in the AM Friday morning edition coming at you. And I am very glad that you are part of it. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening in to us here at JM in the AM. Aryeh Kunstler is next at JM in the AM.
אני רוצה היום, אבל הכל משתנה פתאום, וזה בסדר, אני לא אשם, כי זה רצון השם. אני הולך, לא רואה את הסוף, מאמין שיהיה רק טוב. אני קטן, כן, אני קטן, והתמונה גדולה. וכל מה שקורה זה סבבה, לא מפחד משום דבר, כי אני בידיים של אבא, של אבא שלי. אני רוצה היום, אבל הכל משתנה פתאום, וזה בסדר, אני לא אשם, כי זה רצון השם. אני הולך, לא רואה את הסוף, מאמין שיהיה רק טוב. אני קטן, כן, אני קטן, והתמונה גדולה. וכל מה שקורה זה סבבה, לא מפחד משום דבר, כי אני בידיים של הבא. Never ever give up, no, never ever give up 
stand together, you and I. As one or better, just give it a try. Fire and ice, both in our souls. We're all unique. Always hold just a piece of the puzzle in his great scheme. So go tell everyone who be There ain't no fish on the cliche 
J.M. and the A.M. ain't no bishel in a cliche she. If you're not familiar with any of those terms, consult with your local rabbi off the Yes Legacy album. It's Aaron Holder with that selection. <laughs> One of uh, Moshe Yes's amazing uh, songs, in my opinion. Uh, before that, you heard Eighth Day with uh, We All Belong. That's brand new. Hakomi Shamayim and Moda off of Mordechai Shapiro's brand new Komi Shamayim. Arye Kunstler and Lee Shuascha from Our Eyes Are On You. And the Schlockrock had Minion Man in there here at JM in the AM. Uh, so I went through a list of Mazel Tubs earlier, and there are a lot, thank God, that we can uh, that we can wish. I want to also include and wish a Mazel Tov to a Chesky Tuchman of the Lower East Side of Manhattan. His Ufruf is this Shabbos, tomorrow. So a very special Mazel Tov to uh, Chesky Tuchman. And to um, Leslie and Rabbi Michael Tuchman and the entire family, I'm giving an extra special mazel tov to um, uh, Marion and Benny Tuchman and uh, wishing everybody a mazel tov on the big occasion from all of us here at JM in the AM. Also this Shabbos here on the Lower East Side of Manhattan, we get to celebrate uh, our good friend Paul Freed. And uh, he having uh, passed all his exams and having graduated from the NYPD's uh, police academy. It's a mazal tov to Paul Freed from all of us here at JM and the AM. And as I mentioned earlier, we had the opportunity last night to be with the Nathan and Mermelstein families. Esti and David were married last night. Mazal tov and a special mazal tov to the entire Nathan, Rumstein, Mermelstein, Nagler, and Meyer families from all of us here at JM in the AM. Lots of wonderful smachot. A lot of great simchas to uh, report. Oh, and to the Gleish and Kramer family, Mazel Tov. Yesterday they named the um, the brand new baby. It's Sarah, and that means that our wonderful friends, uh, Goldie and Dove Kramer, are grandparents. They've got a granddaughter. Imagine that. And we say Mazel Tov on that big occasion from all of us here at JM in the AM. So thank God. Lots of wonderful things to report. 
and a whole bunch of great things to uh, update our audience about here at the JM in the AM. Uh, a couple of reminders. First of all, uh, those of you looking for great family fun and entertainment this coming Sunday, it's the Brooklyn Cyclones with Jewish Heritage Day beginning at 4 p.m. And the Mensch on the Bench bobblehead doll will be given out. You don't want to miss that. Plus, of course, a bunch of other prize packages and kids run the bases and a whole bunch of stuff at the Brooklyn Cyclones. They've always been great to us and to our audience and our community. Let's take advantage of Jewish Heritage Day and have a great time this coming Sunday at 4 p.m. with the Brooklyn Cyclones. The uh, information at brooklyncyclones.com, brooklyncyclones.com. The great news is that it's supposed to be picture-perfect weather on Sunday in this area, unlike what's going on outside right now. (laughs) So take advantage, please, and uh, go and enjoy. Also, as as you are tuned in to a Friday morning JM in the AM and you think what this radio show and this network means to you, please keep us in mind as the end of June approaches. Keep us in mind and uh, join the growing list of supporters of JM and the AM and the Nahum Siegel Network by logging on to fjbunity.org, the Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting, fjbunity.org. Give, give generously, and be counted among those who support us. You can go to the website literally right now, fjbunity.org. Again, that's fjbunity.org. And please give anything out there that or anything here within the show that you love, that you enjoy, uh, you can can show us and demonstrate for us how much you enjoy it by giving and being part of it. Um, FJBUnity.org, FJBUnity.org. And if you have not received in the mail our um, car magnet and our uh, luggage tag with the -the on-the-go theme, then um, then please just uh, email us, nachum at nachumsegel.com. be more than happy to send it to you. Nachum at nachumsegel.com. Again, we'd be more than happy to send that out for you to enjoy. I want to thank those who have been commenting on the app this morning. Hello to listener Tina, who's got a shout-out from Montreal for Ruf Tarragon. He'll join us later. Listener Devorah says, wishing the Yad Binyamin Wolves best of luck in their quest to become Israel national champions today in their game against Tel Aviv. We are also proud of our boys. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you, Devorah. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world on the web at NahumSingle.com, on the NahumSingle Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. This coming Sunday, help uh, Congressman Max Rose fight anti-Semitism. There'll be a rally at 8203 3rd Avenue in Brooklyn. 8203 Third Avenue in Brooklyn um, to remove a certain congresswoman from the House Foreign Affairs Committee. News from Israel next. בכירים בצבא האיראני הציגו במסיבת עיתונאים את שאריות המלט האמריקני שהופל אתמול וטענו, הזהרנו את ארצות הברית לפני שהפלנו את המטוס הזהיר. לטענת האמריקנים, האיראנים הפילו את המלט בלא כל התגרות אמריקנית בעת שטס בשטח בינלאומי. הבוקר דווח כי האמריקנים נערכו למתקפה צבאית על איראן בתגובה על הפלת המלט, אך הנשיא טראמפ חזר בו ברגע האחרון וביטל את התקיפה. דיפלומטים איראנים אמרו לסוכנות רויטרס כי הלילה העבירו האמריקנים מסר לטהרן באמצעות מדינת המפרץ אומן ודרשו ממנה לשוב לשולחן הדיונים. המנהיג העליון של איראן, חמנאי, השיב כי הוא סירב ויסרב בתוקף להידבר עם וושינגטון. שיבושים בתחבורה האווירית בעקבות המתיחות במפרץ. רשות התעופה של ארצות הברית אסרה על חברות תעופה אמריקניות לטוס מעל איראן 
בשל הסיכון להסלמה. בעקבות ההודעה, גם החברות בריטיש איירווייז, לופטנזה ו-KLM ההולנדית הודיעו כי ישנו את נתיבי הקווים שלהן כדי להימנע מטיסה באזור. המשטרה עצרה חשוד בתקיפת מתפלל בקבר שמעון הצדיק בירושלים. על פי החשד, גבר בשנות ה-30 לחייו הגיע למקום לפני יומיים, התפרע וזרק כיסאות לעברו של מתפלל אחר, ומיד לאחר מכן נמלט מן המקום. תושב הקריות נעצר בחשד שחיבל במנעולים, ולאחר מכן הציג את עצמו כמנעולן והציע לתקנם. החשוד הזריק לעשרות דלתות באזור דבק. והניח בסמוך עליהן את כרטיס הביקור שלו. רבים מקורבנותיו, והם גבה מאות שקלים בעבור התיקון, היו קשישים שלא חשדו בנוכל. התחזית לסיום הטמפרטורות תהיינה רגילות לעונה, מחר תחול ירידה וייתכן טפטוף בצפון הארץ. אלה החדשות שעורך יותם לחובסקי. Shabbos, come and join with me. 
J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, Parshas Baloschla, if you're outside of Israel, with candle lighting at 8.10 in the New York area. A lot of synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. So here's what we were saying earlier. Uh, help Max Rose fight anti-Semitism. This coming Sunday, 11 a.m. at 8203 3rd Avenue in Brooklyn. Again, this coming Sunday, 11 a.m., 8203 3rd Avenue in Brooklyn, Congressman Max Rose is a war hero, but now he faces a tough battle in Congress. The congresswoman who keeps spewing anti-Semitic vitriol and referred to American forces in Somalia as Satan, Ilan Omar, sits on the powerful House Foreign Affairs Committee and Democratic leadership has shown no willingness to remove her. As his constituents and his people, let's encourage Max to make the right move by demanding that he show the courage to call on Nancy Pelosi to remove Ilan Omar from the uh, House Foreign Affairs Committee as soon as possible. You can call Max Rose's office, Congressman Max Rose, and we have listeners in Staten Island and in Brooklyn who are in his district at 718-667-3313. Again, that's 718-667-3313. Or you could be there on Sunday, 11 a.m. at 8203 3rd Avenue in Brooklyn, 8203 Third Avenue in Brooklyn, and of course, uh, I think everybody in this audience understands how important it is to be there. J.M. in the AM with a reminder that the uh, weekly update is coming up. Malcolm Holmline will join us. He's executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He will join us coming up in the uh, in this hour at seven forty Eastern Time. We'll have that for you. He's in Israel. He'll be broadcasting. He'll be. Speaking to us from Jerusalem, that's always a special treat 
So that'll be coming up and plenty more, of course, between now and 9 o'clock as we continue on a Friday morning. Erev Shabbos here at JM and AM. Please keep us in mind. If you have not yet contributed to our spring fundraiser, please, please go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. Become a sponsor of this show. Be among the proud supporters that keep us going for now. It's going to be 36 straight years. Not bad, huh? 36 straight years. Uh, so please go to fjbunity.org and give generously. Again, that's fjbunity.org. And, of course, we thank you. More coming up. It's JM in the AM with Uri Davidi.
Little bit of uh, Shimon Kramer before that, the Werdigers with Keladon. Friday morning on this era of Shabbos here at JM in the AM. Well, if you're lucky enough to live in the uh, 25th Assembly District, places like uh, Flushing, Queensborough Hill, Hillcrest, Fresh Meadows, then you have the pleasure of being represented in the New York State Assembly by the uh, wonderful Neely Rosick, who is a um, wonderful legislator and is joining us to discuss a landmark bill that has been passed um, up in the uh, New York State Legislature. Uh, Neely Rosig, Assembly Member Neely Rosig, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thanks for having me back. A pleasure. Great to have you on. And uh, this is uh, your legislation that you created uh, that uh, that has implemented hate crimes recognition and response training for all law enforcement officers this passed both the Assembly and the Senate this week. So first of all, I'll say mazal tov and congratulations. And frankly, you know, as a resident of New York State, I was always under the impression that these types of programs for law enforcement officials were either required or highly recommended. Tell us about the uh, historic nature of your legislation. Yeah, so I, I think you're right, right? We sort of assume that this is already built into um, what local law enforcement already does. And to be quite frank, um, if you're in New York City, yes, that's that's the case. The NYPD does have really good hate crimes training. Um, but for the rest of the state, it's sort of lackluster, it's sort of a hodgepodge of um, what is out there. And so I... I authored this legislation um, based on a lot of what we've been seeing across the state that would ensure that all state and local law enforcement agencies are properly trained in hate crimes, whether that's recognizing it or responding to it. And the task, the hate crimes task force, along with the police training council, has to develop and maintain policies and, and procedures um, that all deal with responding to hate crimes um, because, you know, we've talked about this. I've been on the show before. Um, despite New York's incredibly strong hate crimes laws, like anti-Semitic and hate-based incidents are skyrocketing at unprecedented rates, um, and we really need to do some education at the ground level. And it's amazing how this has become really the issue for the Jewish community. We talk about things we care about collectively uh, often it has to do with foreign policy. In this case, it is a really a real domestic issue that has uh, reared its ugly head over the last few months. And by the way, you talk about episodes and incidents and hate crimes that are going on in the numbers, as you just indicated, are climbing. Uh, it's also really disturbing, and I'm sure as a member of government, you really uh, take offense to this. It's really disturbing to see uh, government officials uh, around the country a handful of them, but still government officials with a loud voice, with a lot of media coverage, uh, make statements that they do about Jews, about Israel, 
Um, they explain it away in ways that are completely unacceptable. It must make you feel um, uh, resentful that your colleagues, that that people who you know take the pledge to serve the people, are getting away with this type of rhetoric. Yeah, and there are a lot of people in any industry that sort of get away with um, talking the talk but not walking the walk. And I just felt, you know, in the the last days of session, I've we've actually been up for 22 hours straight now. Um, that in the last couple of days, a lot of bills get done, a lot of legislation gets pushed. Um, but in New York, I really felt that it was sending a strong message to say, hey hate crimes don't have a place in New York, and our government is responding to it. Right, 100%. Um, Because there's just no, we just don't have the luxury of doing anything else. Um, And I had a great partner in Senator Todd Kaminsky um, from the Five Towns area who was a Senate sponsor in this. Um, And a lot of bills get done, and a lot of bills die at the end of session. Um, But this was one that we really, really had um, a lot of commitment around, and in a bipartisan way, which, you know, in Albany is is rare. Um, (laughs) You can say that again. But it's it's so important, um, and, you know, protecting people from acts of violence, whether you're a government official or not, or whether you're a law enforcement agent, like that is what we should be focused on. Neely Rosick's with us, represents New York's 25th district up in the New York State Assembly. Uh, Are there details yet on what will be required? Is there a number of hours, a type of program? Was anything written into the legislation that would give us those details? And now that it's going to be law, uh, will all that be worked out by individual police departments? Yeah, we'll get through the nitty and gritty as the next step, but the Division of Human Rights has to work with the Hate Crimes Task Force Mm. to train all state and local law enforcement agencies um, because those are the first responders. And, um, you know, I would encourage them to take a page from the NYPD. They do a really good job in their training, Um, but we just really need to keep up with the symbols, the terminology, all the offensive stuff that we see online. Um, Our local law enforcement needs to be at the forefront of all of that. Oh, by the way, we should point out that you were not only fighting for our community, you were fighting for God knows how many hundreds of ethnic communities, all of whom would fall under the category of hate crimes if people went ahead and uh, and you know did something or said something against them. Absolutely, and this has support from across um, the spectrum, from Asian Americans for Equality to the Muslim Bar Association, the right. Sikh Coalition, uh, American Jewish Committee. Yeah, it's GCRC not. A, it's not a Jewish. ADL. We should point out it's just not a Jewish issue. This is something that yeah. benefits all New Yorkers, obviously. Absolutely, regardless of religion, yeah. race, or or preference. Uh, how are things going now? The, the session's over or not? Is it over? We, li- we literally wrapped up in the assembly about five minutes ago before I hopped on the phone with you. That's um, it? That, we that's, were, that's when it ends on a Friday morning at 7 o'clock? <laughs> we plowed through the night um, and got a lot done. You know, a lot of big ticket items like climate change and rent regulation. Um, but, yeah, we were up for 22 hours straight. I don't encourage that as, any, as anyone. <laughs> Not the best way to run government, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's always a pleasure to speak to you. I remind our audience that you were born in Yerushalayim. So on this Friday, I take this opportunity to wish you a Shabbat Shalom. 
uh, which is by, which is by the way something I could only uh, uh, you know I, I could only say to a handful of assembly members. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll take it. And you, uh, by the way, the day of rest couldn't come fast enough for you, huh? <laughs> I'm so <laughs> looking forward to it. I can only imagine. Tadarabhan Neely, great work, and thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Lee Tardis. Lehitra Oda is right. Neely Rosick, uh, Assembly 25th District. If you're lucky enough to be in Queens in her district, then you're represented well. And yes, she was born in Yerushalayim and now serves in the New York State Assembly. Great story. It was wonderful having her here in the studio. And it's great having her check in with us. And we check in with her uh, once in a while here at JM in the AM. Friday morning on this uh, Erev Shabbos, Parshas Baloscha, candle lighting at 810 in the New York City area. 810 we are announcing. Um, 70 degrees, some showers out there, and a high of 79. I remind you, uh, we are looking for you to uh, become members of our sponsorship team. If you'd like to uh, participate in our spring fundraiser, we encourage you to do so to keep us going here for yet another year. Go to fjbunity.org and give generously. That's fjbunity.org. Shira Hadasha Boys Choir.
Yeah, I'm a father, 
Jam in the AM, Kiavi, that's from the uh, Waterbury album here at Jam in the AM. Before that, Shira Khadasha Boys Choir with Kella Doan. Well, some of you may have seen, and the word is getting around, that the B'nai Yishirin Men's Club Softball League has officially been renamed in memory of uh, Harold Gellis. And uh, Jonathan Gellis, who is a wonderful, long-time um, friend and promoter of JM in the AM, <laughs> is, um, is Harold's son, and I asked him to join me uh, to talk about what happened during this unique presentation, this unique ceremony uh, that took place recently in memory of his father. Jonathan Gellis, shalom. Welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you very much, Nachum. How are you doing today? Baruch Hashem. We know each other a long, long time. First of all, uh, to you and your entire family, condolences on your father's passing. Uh, but Thank I, you. but I must say, this this story is so heartwarming. First, first, tell me about his involvement. It, it seems like he was in the softball league for decades. Yeah. So my father unfortunately passed uh, just before his seventy second birthday, but he's been. We've been living in Teaneck for forty five years. And one of the first things he did when we got here was to try to increase camaraderie in a small Tina community 45 years ago, was join a softball league <laughs> to meet people, to make friends. My father was always very athletic, and he loved baseball, softball, everything having to do with the true Americana of the game. <laughs> very cool. So he, uh, he joined the B'nai B'rith League that had existed, but then that league got very competitive, and it wasn't about guys from Shul's joining. It was about finding the best players so they could be from churches or from or anywhere. It became just more of a sporadically pick-up-anyone kind of league. And he was looking for something to connect with people. At the time, there were only a few Shul's, but as Teaneck was growing and more Shul's were opening up, he wanted a way to connect with people from all the different shows, which he didn't dominate. in. You know, he lived a block away from Beth Aaron and was the captain of the Beth Aaron softball team for the last 30 years. I and my brother both had the wonderful opportunity of playing with our father for the last 29 years, myself at least, um, on the same team. You know, the minute I turned 18, I was on the team. And uh, as I wrote, as I said in the article, or I mentioned in the speech, we davened in different shuls. We had opportunities to play with other friends of ours who were making teams over the years. And my brother, who now lives in Cleveland, but he and I always played with our dad. And we looked at it as a tremendously bonding experience. And it was a lot of fun. The wins, the, lose, the losses, you know, they came and went. And, uh, you know, as I mentioned, we spent every Sunday going over every pitch, every out, <laughs> if win or lose. <laughs> we went through the whole game. And it really connected the three of us. And we won a couple championships. And there was no, you know, greater time. My father was interviewed. Um, he won the Sports Star of the Week. <laughs> two years ago in his 70s, just when he turned 70, wow. for striking out six guys in a game and whatever. I mean, he was still competing <laughs> at, at a very high level. And uh, he got he even had the opportunity to play with some of his grandsons. Oh, that is and, really cool. And my, and my son-in-law, so his grandson-in-law. So he, he always used baseball as well as many, many sports, but softball especially as a way to just connect with all his kids, his grandkids. 
and with the, my mom came to the game and with the, and with the people of the community it seems also that was also one of For, his tremendously right. as i said sometimes right. during the game between the lines he was a hard competitor and uh he didn't like to give an inch but the minute the game was over it was all about good game high fives sportsmanship teaching that to us and to the younger guys on our team right we had guys on our team that were in their 20s. He's 70. Wow, and he looked at them. You know, he he wanted to be a role model for them. So he competed as hard as everybody. Very cool. Jonathan Gellis is with us. All right, tell us what happened. Who decided that the uh, B'nai Yashirin Men's Club Softball League would officially be renamed in memory of your father? So even right after Shiva, some people said to me, said, this is a no-brainer. But as you know now, we're living in Eretz Yisrael. We're in Renana. And, and I said, you know what? I'm not asking for anything, meaning, it, yes, it would be very nice, but whatever. And then right before Shavuot, I get an email from the current team captain saying, are you guys come? I know you guys are coming back to the state soon. Will you be back here for Father's Day? Right. I said, we had land the Thursday before, and they said they want to rename the league after your father. And I had to take a moment um, and process that because it is something that he loved, but not everyone always loved him as a, as a competitor in, in the games. But he, uh, he loved this league. He loved everything about it. And all the team commissioners, which I believe there are four of them, they reached out to every team captain, and they came to me and said unanimously, every team captain said, absolutely, this is a no-brainer. So right after Shavuot, they told us what would take place, with Rabbi Rothwax coming down to say a few words, it was actually I told Rabbi Rothwax in advance. I said, "I'm we're not here to do you know eulogies. This is to really remember a man who loved everything about sports and everything that sports does for people and for families and bringing people together." And he was he was very funny in his um, speech about my father talking about he always wanted to come down and play, and this was the only way. He was going to get to the field, unfortunately, because <laughs> my father was a competitor. He didn't think you could play or you came to a tryout. My dad was the only one doing tryouts for men's softball leagues with the guys in the school. And at the ceremony, you actually wore your dad's jersey, which is also pretty cool. And this was on Father's Day, right? Yeah, it was on Father's Day. I said to my mom, I don't want to wear my jersey. She knew where my dad's was. My brother, if my brother would have been in and I had one also, I would have given it to him, but he couldn't make it from Cleveland. Um, so I did wear it. It was very emotional. Uh, I pitched the last inning. My dad was a pitcher for the last 20-plus years and was planning on pitching again this year. We were in Israel for Pesach, and he was going to join us in Israel for Pesach. And he said, just make sure you and David bring your gloves because I want to warm up every day and be ready for the season the minute we get back. And unfortunately, we never got to probably his 50-plus year of pitching. But at the end of the day, I pitched the last inning. Um, I watched my team make a couple errors, you know, so now I know how he felt when we (laughs) did it, you know. (laughs) Well, it's... it was it was it was very nice. It was very fitting. It was a fantastic tribute, um, and all the commissioners showed up. I would say a hundred guys showed up that played against them and played with them and played whatever over the years, and it was really nice. And we I've I've received a tremendous amount of uh, emails and texts since the article came out. I mean, it seems like my dad can't get out of the paper because they republished some stuff. It's- um, 
right after he passed as well. But yeah, it's really amazing. Yeah, it's, I think it's, it's a, a very fitting tribute for him. I think it's a great story. You know, you know us for a long time, and if community baseball and family can come together you know that that's for us a perfect story so <laughs> yeah he didn't love when i went upstate and played you know against the lobos and all those guys he <laughs> wished i would have stayed you know he's like why don't you drive back sunday morning and then go back Sunday? i'm like no i'm not gonna do that but the games i am in teaneck we did play together and for the last 29 years we we had the opportunity to do that and it's very special unbelievable it's something I'll I'll always have with me. His his love of the sport will will always stay with me. I was hoping to retire, but I think not this year. Unbelievable. The Benet Assurance Men's Club Softball League is officially now known uh, and re- has been renamed in memory of Mr. Harold Gellis. Jonathan, our best to you and the entire family. You should only celebrate wonderful occasions, but what a tremendous tribute to your father, and I greatly appreciate you joining us this morning. Thank you so much, Nachum. Have an amazing Shabbat. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. There he is, uh, Jonathan Gellis, with a great story. Uh, his father, not only a great softball player, but a great community member as well, and wonderful to pay tribute to him this morning. Friday morning broadcast, JM in the AM. Malcolm Holmline from Israel coming up. Keep it right here at JM in the AM.
J.M. in the A.M. There we go. Friday morning on this uh, Erev Shabbos. Parshas Baaloscha. Outside of Israel. In Israel, I think they're up to Shlach already. Oh, Rabbi Fass is probably wondering why I didn't ask him to come on for Erev Shabbos Parsha Shlach, which we always do. And that's because Shlach in the, uh, outside of Israel, fittingly enough, is not, is not the same week as it is in Israel. But I do have to write myself a note now. We need Rabbi Fass on the air next uh, next week, Thursday, Friday, before we read Parsha Shlach. Candlelighting at 810 here in the New York area. A reminder, Congressman Max Rose is being asked to apply pressure to the leaders in the uh, House of Representatives uh, to help um, remove Elon Omar from the House Foreign Affairs Committee. Rally takes place this Sunday at 11 a.m. at 8203 3rd Avenue in Brooklyn, New York. Encourage Congressman Max Rose to uh, apply whatever pressure is possible. As we've told you, Malcolm Honline is in Jerusalem, which makes our segment extra special. He is the executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us for the weekly update. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. It's great to be with you, and especially from the city we both love so much. It is an amazing city, and I don't know if you've had an opportunity to uh, take the pulse or feel the pulse of the electorate in uh, in Jerusalem and other areas of Israel yet, but we will certainly get to that. But we'll start, of course, with Iran. Uh, the, it, it's baffling. Yesterday afternoon, I'm saying to myself that these provocations by Iran— you would think a president like President Trump would immediately, and, and some might even say haphazardly, jump into action and retaliate or at least, you know, uh, do something that looks like a gesture of, uh, you know, watch out, folks. You know, we're here ready to take action if, in fact, you continue this type of behavior. And apparently, according to the news, he was ready to do that and pulled back at the last moment. Could you tell us why the president is hesitating? No, I don't know why. I, I think it is in part because he you know he promised to get us out of and extricate us out of all the middle east wars and other wars uh, he has escalated the presence uh, of our troops there and our ships um, but why he pulled back i don't know maybe he wanted to send a message by scrambling the planes and then showing the iranians that he means business whether they read that that way after he pulled them back or not you know, we will only know. But he did say to them that he's giving him a deadline to negotiate, and it, and there are meetings now going on with Secretary Pompeo and their intelligence briefings in a short while. So I guess we'll we'll have to wait and see whether there's um, an alternative plan or another 
uh, action that is uh, being contemplated. I think doing nothing would be a big mistake. The Iranians only understand one message, message and that's of strength. And what the, their husband, what their calculations were in doing this is unclear. What we do know is that they constantly test and probe the West and see whether we have the determination to really respond, to take the risk. They don't want a war, and we don't want a war, and God willing, there won't be one. But they have to know that there are going to be consequences. Now they've, they've had these attacks against a number of ships uh, in the, in, and the threat to the shipping in, through the Straits of Hormuz overall, which is an international waterway. The shooting down of a drone over what appears to be international waters, and certainly America's position is that it, that they it wasn't over international waters, and therefore Iran had no right to take it down. The um, they're continuing support for global terrorism and for efforts to undermine the regime in in, in the region. We we just uncovered continuing efforts to get weapons to the West Bank, and they admitted and talk about with pride their efforts to surround Israel from all its fronts, from Hamas and Gaza and Manpij, Hezbollah in the north, Iran, where you have the Shiite militias and Iran Revolutionary Guard and Hezbollah, uh, and now they want to try to get into West Bank. Israel has uncovered a number of, of plots, including a big uh, spy cell based in Jordan, where they set up a factory as a front to get people into Israel. Uh, so Iran's is making very clear what, what the determination they have to, to and their, what their intentions are. Uh, we also see that they failed to implement the uh, agreements they reached on the financial, uh, the money laundering and financial areas, the uh, financing of terror, and there are meetings going on now that will determine if they will uh, be subject to, to additional um, uh, sanctions or not. They should be. The FATF will decide in the in the in this period. Um, uh, too often, they just pass on what Iran does, and that's why it's very important that the global message. The Europeans are getting tired of what the Iranians are doing, aside from plotting from within their countries, but that they are in violation of the nuclear deal, and they declare all the time how they can. They're going to enrich uranium. How they can get their process back in a couple of days, which means they did not destroy any infrastructure. We see what the Houthis are doing. I mean, they are instigating everywhere. And uh, we need to draw the line in the sand. Iran has to know, and I think the American sanctions have been amazing, that they're having a tremendous impact. All the reports we get show that. Uh, uh, but they, they also have to understand that the red lines mean red lines. You see the Russians going after them in Syria. We know that they, they're facing tensions all over. We should take advantage of these moments. And, um, and the big meeting that will take place this weekend, this coming in the coming days, of the three heads of National Security Council from Russia, Israel, and the United States, I think will address this very topic. Um, and that's pretty remarkable, by the way. Not to get philosophical, this is a serious news item. But the fact that those three countries are being represented at that meeting, you know, for Israel and for Jewish history is quite significant. But again, uh, I think most of this audience knows what I mean. What's what is a large uh, spy ring? How, how many people are involved in that uh, in, in the spy ring they broke up? I mean, well, it, the one there was one guy arrested, but there are more. There are people in the supposedly in the West Bank who are involved. I think it's it's still early. The, the information has been. 
um, kept quiet until now. It wasn't. It was discovered a, a while ago, but they just today released the information, so we'll get much more on it in, the, I'm sure, in the next day or so. And in terms of the reaction of the president, and I get what you're saying and understand, you know, what the hesitation might be. But as you said, there's only one language the enemy understands. It's it's suspicious. Suspicious not only because of his nature and because politically, one would think that you know he would understand the importance of retaliation or action, whatever you want to call it. But is it possible that some business interest, not to be too cynical, but is it possible that some business interest, especially keeping in mind that that out of the ordinary visit from the Japanese leader to Iran, is it possible that some business interests uh, on this globe kept the president in a state of hesitation to move in and do something against Iran? I, I have no way of knowing, and I... I... Uh, but I would seriously doubt that that's the calculation here, neither his, his business interests nor those of others. Uh, it's interesting to note that when the Prime Minister of Japan, Abe, was in Tehran, they attacked a Japanese tanker. That was one of the ships that were hit in the Gulf of Oman. Um, so I, I think that the, the president is inhibited by the you know, his pledge and, and that he is trying to adhere to all the things he promised during the campaign and it's fulfilling them one by one. And you see the constant reiteration of that. I think he's very focused on the 2020, 2020 election or re-election. Uh, whether they got additional intelligence or something else, obviously it's not something we will know uh, or, or may ever know. But what we, we do know is how Iran reacts and how how these messages um, uh, resonate uh, with them, and the the fact that that even with the sanctions and the punishment of their people, that they continue almost unabated in the hostile activities to the degree that their finances allow. They have cut back on money money that went to uh, to Hezbollah, uh, as we see that they are trying to raise funds in in uh, uh, other ways. But Iran keeps professing that they have the tools to take on the United States, that they have the missile capacity, they have the ships, they, they have run have, uh, havoc with some of our shipping in the in military vehicles, uh, vessels in the Gulf. Uh, this should not be tolerated. And they're not going to do anything. They're not going to risk a war. They know that we will sink their Navy in no time. Can they activate terrorism? Could they try to do some diversionary activities with Hamas or Hezbollah? Hezbollah likely, less likely to engage in it. In the Gaza, it would probably be the Palestinian Islamic Jihad. Uh, but they've had the demonstrations every Friday ongoing. They they are stimulating a lot of these uh, these things. The Iranians, their, their hand is in in every pot in, in the region, um, but. They are losing on many fronts, and they are, their position is weaker given the economic uh, underpinnings of the country well, have been so shaken by this sanction. It's the strongest, weakest country we've ever seen, frankly, <laughs> because they're not— You don't need a lot of money for terrorism. You know, that, that is not as expensive and difficult to do, and especially when you have, uh, you know, agents around the world who, who are actively engaged, but— they are. I know, but from time, their per, think, but from their per, but from their perspective, they're bringing the U.S. to its knees. That's the problem. That's what I mean by strong. From their perspective, you know what's going on in Iran now. They're 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 telling their people, look look what we've done. We've we've taken action. We've provoked, and and nobody's done anything to us. Yeah, they're showing pictures which claim to show that it, the the 
plane was the uh, drone was over the um, over territory of Iran. Uh, but, but, you know, to me, more symbolic is that they have a huge billboard in Tehran, which shows American and Israeli ships being sunk, being being destroyed. Um, this this started a few days before the attacks on the on the um, Gulf tankers. Uh, so they're they're advertising what they they're doing. These are all clear messages. And if we if we don't counter it, the people of Iran want to see the West take them on um, strongly. And you see that when Russia presses them to get out of the Aleppo airport, as they have now, they got out. And Soleimani himself ordered that they move to, to another location because the Russians don't want to have any retaliation by Israel that could damage their assets. Commercial. Russia knows how to deal with it. And I think that the, the three-way meeting, well, just one point about the three-way meeting, as you noted, is extremely important. It's very unusual. And the fact that the three uh, are meeting on, on the basis they are as three equal partners, and the Russian media, TASS had a big story yesterday uh, about the meeting and saying how important it is. And it sends a good message also to the other countries in the region. But it puts Israel as a partner, and, and Russia obviously uh, is a key player in, in Syria. Israel wants the foreign forces out and wants to see them live up to their commitment to keep Iranian troops uh, 60 or 80 kilometers from the border, which they haven't done. Uh, this is a really significant meeting. You know, the two superpowers, and on, on the assumption there are two superpowers, they, they could lean on Israel to you know, to get out there and, and demonstrate their willingness to do something against Iran. That could, that could be a product of this meeting. Oh, Israel's not one of the superpowers. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, it is possible. Yeah, it is possible, and that, and that might put Israel in a sensitive position. Although I don't know if they would, have, frankly, if they had both Russian and U.S. backing, I don't know if they would hesitate to do anything. You know, frankly. but Israel's not Israel. Nobody wants to see Israel in the middle of this because it, right. it, it has obviously ramifications. But can't Israel, Israel do, is can, an interested party in any of them? But can't Israel do something and 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 it looked like it came from somewhere else? That has happened. Um, <laughs> that has happened in the past. I think we should leave that for others. To assess. <laughs> it's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio around the world and the web at NahumSiegel.com on the NahumSiegel Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Support us in our spring fundraiser by going to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, and give generously. Malcolm Holmline is in Jerusalem today. Uh, and the commercial airlines are completely avoiding Iranian airspace at this point, right? They don't want to, they don't want to be shot down, right? That's right. They've been instructed to yeah. avoid uh, a big swath of the of the airways. All right. What do you, what do we do when United States government officials uh, compare United States temporary shelters on the Mexican border with concentration camps? Well, when somebody who really displays ignorance of this nature and um, refuses to confront it in the way they demand people who make far less abhorrent comments than that. Uh, it, it reflects on one that they, she either didn't know and doesn't understand what happened in the concentration camps, what, what went on there, doesn't know what's going on along our border, or deliberately, and this is not the first time where she has misstated facts and engage in this kind of uh, rhetorical uh, flourishes that um, are are truly insulting to survivors to the to the Shoah. it's the uh, diminution uh, of it whether and I'm not even sure she knows 
what the significance of what she said and why it is so offensive. Wow. But the time has come, you know, that, that they just can't keep getting away with it. And it's for the voters in the district. It's for the leaders of the Democratic Party. It's for people to, who, who uh, are involved, who are ideologically linked, to, to finally take a stand and to say this is unacceptable. Now, a number of people did, and a number of, of public officials, Democrats and others, have called on her to apologize. She clearly says she's not going to. I don't need her apology. And I think that it's time to take the focus off of her. These people, are a few out of the 64 freshmen and out of 435 members of the House and members of the Senate, um, uh, who are getting all the attention, all the limelight, it only feeds their ego and their – I mean, this, this is somebody who a year ago was a bartender and now is, is, is uh, pontificating about the economy and about all sorts of other uh, issues about uh, which I, uh, she knows little. Uh, that the and now going after other members of Congress publicly stating if she threatened Hakeem Jeffries' seat and now Elliot Engel's seat wow. and others because the, the, the ego gets so enlarged and so uh, exaggerated because of the attention she goes around the country she becomes a national figure because of the, all the media hyping and highlighting I think to do we should just isolate them ignore them highlight the good guys talk about the Stephanie Murphys and others who are standing up for the right things for Israel those those who are courageous enough to buck the trends in some parts of uh, the political spectrum and uh, are doing the right thing and I think the you know too much of the energy is being sucked up by them and the media loves them and keeps highlighting it because they love controversy well, there's a price here too, and and I think that uh, we all have to think and consider what is the most effective strategy to deal um, with this. And and when I see some of the Democrats who have come out, uh, some some supporters of the Democratic Party, that has a lot of significance and and sends an important message. I would hope to hear from some of the others who profess to be our friends, let alone uh, uh, those who are outside of that category. To, to take a stand now. It, there's no more excuses, no more exceptions. This is a very critical time with the rise of anti-Semitism, and soon a speech I gave here yesterday will be on the, on the Internet, and I hope people will watch it because I address what it is that we have to do and, and, and how I think now in a new way we must approach this, uh, this pandemic of anti-Semitism I can only that is spread to our shores. I can only imagine how much time you spend on this issue and how many leaders, and I, I'm not naming names, and, I'm, and I know that you are accurate when you say some Democratic leaders have been outspoken and wonderful on this topic and others have been disappointing, but the ones who are disappointing must just, it, it must frustrate you to no end. Uh, that they haven't come out uh, against her statements and, and and really you know come out strongly against her and other other government officials who are who are saying outrageous things. Uh, what did you think of the Polish member of Parliament who invited her to see the concentration camps all these decades later, up close and personal? I mean, is it a stunt? Is it something that that you you would prefer she would accept? What do you think when that offer was made? You know, it's exactly the thoughts that go through your head, and you know, I think that. It could well be that it was an honest motivation that somebody is saying, look, she's ignorant. She clearly doesn't know what was going on in the concentration camps. She should come and visit. Yad Vashem said that also issued statements saying that they, she, she should visit, she should learn uh, about this. I mean, she wasn't alive during the Shoah. 
it could well be like most Americans. They know very little about it. A very significant part couldn't name a concentration camp, didn't know what Auschwitz was. You know, a significant part said that only 4 million died, not 6 million. I mean, we see the impact of Holocaust denial and, and diminution. And in her case, it, it, it could be that she's really ignorant, just read about what the, the camps were, knew the name and the up concentration camp, but very little about what the, the true significance of the term is and the reference that it, it implies. Uh, so I think the Polish offer, I, I will take it at face value that he meant it seriously, but I don't know that they want to be educated. I don't know that they, they have taken the opportunities to hear from people. And she said there are many others who, who survivors and others who contacted her and offered to, to uh, talk about their own experiences firsthand. There are people in Queens who she can see who, who will tell her and still have the numbers and, and a part of the remnant of the Oh, that's a good idea. I wonder if there was some outreach from members of the Holocaust survivor community in her district. That's actually. What I know is she's very not she's not interested in learning not on the Israel front, not on the other fronts. Interesting. But again, we're 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 spending all this time on her. Right, I get it, but 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 also, (laughs) I understand that. But there's an important message here because you mentioned the voters, and frankly, the way things work, and people listening around the world may not be as familiar with this, but the way things work in New York. I mean, she could be an incumbent for quite a while, even with all the efforts that I'm sure are going to go on in terms of trying to displace her. Because you know how you know how <laughs> how things go when it comes to these congressional seats, especially in a state like ours. So well, I, I think she'll attract a lot of money uh, just for a second. Yeah, sure. But you know, she won with 10 percent of the vote, so I, it was a fluke vote because of Crowley's, you know, disinterest right. or failure to to to, to really actively promote. But I think she will get a lot of financial support from extremists who share her point of view right. or some of her points of view. So it's really an uphill battle to replace her. You can't, it's just, you can't just blame the voters. It's a, The system you know, limits to, you know, to what degree one can succeed when trying to get her out. So it's, I, I blame the voters for not coming out in the first election. Right. And, and, it, you know, and even amongst the minority community, she did not win a majority in the blacks and Hispanic community during the first election. And I don't think that they want somebody... Uh, who who will profess things like this rather than focusing and doing constructive things to to uh, meet the needs of her constituents. Uh, then we have this actor, John Cusack, who uh, tweeted a racist, anti-Semitic photo. We, we can go through the whole thing, but I don't think it's necessary. People who are interested in this stuff certainly have followed the back and forth and all his excuses and what he thought and what, what he how he thought Twitter works and how, what he thought the Star of David means, et cetera, et cetera. There is, an, there is an atmosphere, and you know that I said this two weeks ago, that this is the new you know, Malcolm Honeline um, uh, Islamic fundamentalism, fundamentalism speech. This is now, in 2019, the main focus of the Jewish community in the United States, and that is that people who are government officials, influential actors, people involved in arts and culture are not hesitating to make or tweet or post anti-Semitic statements a guy like this i mean for i guess you know to save his career is you know making every excuse in the book and trying to you know walk the whole thing back but we have to realize that there are people who are not hesitating and it's one thing when it's in their minds and it's one thing when people are viewed as the enemy but when they have no hesitation to state it malcolm we are in a different situation I couldn't agree more. And if you remember, years ago, I warned that this would be the model based on what we saw in England as opposed to France, where 
it's it starts amongst the intellectual classes, the elites, the entertainment, the the people right. who are influentials and opinion molders, and then seeps down to society. And when an entertainer is able to get away with that, when you see people who are you know fired from positions or shows and things because of much lesser uh, significant comments and less offensive. And if there's no consequence, and, and the public determines the consequence of whether people appear or not by whether they support it or make their voices heard uh, about such uh, outrageous comments. And, and you can't dismiss it because it influences a lot of people. When they have a, a bully platform, uh, people, movie stars, right now we have, uh, I met yesterday with 15 of the players from the um, Patriots, the New England Patriots, who are here visiting together with Bob Kraft, the owner of the team, who won the Genesis Prize last night. Um, and you'd, you'd hear how they're extolling the experience of Israel. Uh, America's Voices has Sean Watkins, who are the quarterback, a young quarterback from uh, Texas. And he gave interviews today just just telling how he fell in love with Israel. And that was the reaction of all these current and former stars of the of the Patriots they won what five or six um, I think um, that would be six Malcolm. Super Bowls huh? that would be that six, would be six. Yeah. I know <laughs> I wanted to test you I'm a Jet fan and, trust uh, me I know about every one of them <laughs> so you know and, I don't even know and, if it, I don't even know if a Philly boy is allowed to praise Boston teams like this but okay we'll let, we'll let, it, we'll let it slide this uh, time I praise the players not the team there you, you know, go just, there you go and, and the Chelsea team which has done amazing things in fighting anti-Semitism and, and they're devoting millions of dollars they announced last night he himself, Mr. Kev, gave twenty million and announced many more millions are being raised uh, to establish uh, a center to fight anti-Semitism on the internet, cyber hate, and uh, I mean these are tachlis, the real steps that are being taken by people who, who really care. So those are the people I think we should highlight. We should build the standard that the, the J.K. Rowlings, the professed presidents of, uh, you know, Fister, Williams, Cornell, who have done courageous things, the profiles and courage are the people we should be talking about so that they know that you get attention when you do the right thing. Right now the message is you get all of the limelight when you say outrageous and do the wrong thing. Well, I agree with you, and you know that the majority of the time we are highlighting the type of people you just described and the statements that they're making. I just wonder if, if, if one has to do with the other, that as, as high-profile people continue to be very outspoken about their love for Israel and in turn their love for the Jewish people, I wonder if that motivates certain other people who have a pulpit to get out there and if they feel the opposite, to state the opposite. I wonder if one has to do with the other. Who knows? Well, but the you know the the opposition is quick to go to the internet, and when any of these players or others say positive things, right. you quickly see the right. haters come out. Right. And it's very important that the people who support it make their voices heard. It doesn't take anything; it doesn't cost anything. Just to like and to support the comments that that the, these people make. If they get only negative messages in the same way, maybe you know they're reading the thing wrong. They're doing it out of an honest. A reaction to what they have seen and what they have experienced, and we should express appreciation for the for those who are courageous enough to stand up and speak out. Uh, a couple other things. Uh, when is this Bahrain conference already? When is it happening? Soon. In uh, it, yes, yeah, very soon. It's it's thirteenth. Uh, I forgot the date now. Uh, but before but the, before the end of June. Yes, I met with people yesterday who are going, business people, others. Israel is not officially participating, but 
the the um so even though fatah is be, calling for violence people are not hesitating to go not so far not and they are calling the violence in israel and along the borders especially ah. in gaza and the west bank uh so we may see some escalation there but the you know the very fact that the meeting is taking place is important if we show that there is still ongoing action the the palestinians marginalize themselves by by their actions and um i credit um jason and the team and the, their consistency the the fact that the, this is called a workshop it's not a conference it's meant to be tachless and and hopefully will be um you know uh, the 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 call by Abbas's Fatah to to have the violence during those days i think highlights that that it's not just that they don't want to be part of it they don't want it to succeed they don't want to see anything uh really succeed you know they expelled the mayor of their Cadiz because he attended along with some of his uh, the residents of his city or village uh, a Jewish wedding of right. a coworker yes, at the right. at the auto plants where they where right. they think I mean it just goes down to this kind of base level uh, in, in which they're uh, and and they continue to violate the Oslo agreement they applied to the IEA and were accepted the International Atomic Energy Agency as a member quote state when when um, those are things that are not supposed to take place at this time. Uh, and they violate in in every other way. And Israel, in the meantime, is laying new water lines to Gaza, still trying to improve the quality of life, showing you know that their priorities are in the right place. The Bahrain thing will will prove. Uh, I don't think people's expectations should be high to see instant agreements, and there will be statements made by participants, you know, who will have to pay lip service to some of the issues. Uh, but the uh outcome could well be at least an awakening an ongoing discussion of positive constructive steps and then the political elements will be dealt with they said after november yeah i was just going to say i don't know if jason and the team are going to admit it but at this point it looks like no peace plan before the end of the year look people have to be patient peace plans aren't uh, you know instant coffee <laughs> they don't you can't just I know, but but some and, White uh, House administrations have done this a little quicker. I mean, I understand we have to be patient, but you know. Well, well, but don't forget they had the elections in Israel and another election in Israel, and they are, you know. Uh, Ooh, I said I would uh, ask you about that. Have you been able to to feel the pulse of the people? Anybody into this new election yet, or not? They are not. They the people talk about it because you know every all the speculation and and things, but. Like in America, I don't think till after Labor Day till they get much closer. Don't forget, they went through the whole campaign. There isn't vast changes yet, except the Labor Party, as you know, the, the the head of the party, number two, and others have quit, and they are electing new leadership. Oh, really? uh, the, the 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 question about Shaked taking over on the new right, and and what Bennett's future will be, but. By and large, you know, it's it's speculation on those levels. There's no change in policy and platforms, and I don't see any revolutionary change in blue and white, or uh, we'll find out if there are any changes in Likud, but so far it doesn't appear that way. Uh, the government continues to function as well as government's function. Uh, the Knesset <laughs> seems to get together once in a while. But the um, you know sometimes the message is that you're better off when there isn't a government. Right. Uh, but, but the concern is that the, nobody sees an alternative. I I've, at least as far as I've heard and spoken to people from across the board, you know there is a BB fatigue that has been in evidence uh, in the past. But everybody recognizes that he is he is the guy who has 
uh, has proven the ability and and, uh, the relationship with President Trump is seen as an important asset and the new Trump uh, village up in the Golan. Yeah, Mazal uh, tough to the president. Uh, to, and and there are, it's a real thing, you know. There there are houses being built yeah. there. It's a real town. People <laughs> who, who signed up to, to uh, live there. Unlike those shady 1950s movies, this is a real town. It's not. It's <laughs> exactly. not one of those. Exactly. Do you know? Do you know that the Palestinians? You know, this is in a sense, it's a funny story, but in reality, it's not really that humorous that the uh, Palestinians have created a village that they are saying is an ancient Palestinian village, <gasps> oh. but it's a fake. Oh. It's, it's at a crit- critical point on the road between Yerushalayim and Hebron, and with EU funding, they renovated two primitive stone structures, you know, the kind that shepherds use and farmers as a shelter. You see them all over on the, yep. in the hills and stuff. Yep. So they added 15 homes at the site, and now they have signs saying, uh, uh, on these uh, refurbished buildings uh, with the EU emblem saying that the site is an ancient village, but we have photos from 67 as well as historic maps going back to the 1800s that show there never was any settlement on the site. And it's another one of the fictions they create to rewrite history. They, they try to denigrate our history and create a false history for themselves. Just when you think you've seen it all. Uh, enjoy Jerusalem. Have a wonderful shot next week. Jerusalem or New York? God willing, New York. All right, so we'll speak to you then. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Uh, Shabbos. Malcolm Honline from Jerusalem is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us Fridays for the weekly update here, 740 Eastern Time at JM in the AM. A couple of things before we get to Rabbi Yudin. First of all, Mazal Tov to the Kreindler and Gifter families. Hadassah and Avraham are getting married this Sunday. Please, God, a very special Mazal Tov. The Mr. and Mrs. Yaakov Kreindler, Rabbi Mrs. Yaakov Gifter, and of course, listener Sina and Mr. Listener Sina get extra special Mazel Tov wishes as well from all of us here at JM in the AM. Mazel Tov to the Nathan and Mermelstein families. It was wonderful being at Esty and David's wedding last night uh, in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. A special Mazel Tov to um, Aviva and Simcha, to Mr. and Mrs. Pesach Nathan, to Esty and David, and to the extended Nathan, Rumstein, Mermelstein, Nagler, and Meyer families from all of us here at JM and the A. A mazal tov to Fred and Henny Zemel and Pesach. Tzvi Aryeh's bar mitzvah was last night. A special mazal tov to a very special family, the Zemel family from all of us here at JM and the A. A mazal tov to the Gleish and Kramer families. That's right. Goldie and Dove Kramer of Pesach are grandparents. Mazal tov. Uh, the Gleishas had a um, brand-new baby girl named yesterday, Sarah uh, Mazaltov. Much nachas from her. And again, a special Mazaltov to Goldie and Dove, our uh, our friends who are now grandparents, please God. Pretty amazing. Uh, Mazaltov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Also a Mazaltov going out to Chesky Tuchman here on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. And to Leslie and Rabbi Michael Tachman, and to Marion and Benny and the whole family, the big Ufruf. Cheski's Ufruf is this Shabbos. We say Mazal Tov from all of us here at JM and the AM. And a reminder to all of our uh, friends who want to go in good weather this Sunday to an amazing uh, event of Jewish Pride. Jewish Heritage Day with the Brooklyn Cyclones is 4 p.m. this coming Sunday at MCU Park. BrooklynCyclones.com has all the tickets. Mench on the bench. Bobblehead is going to be given away. It's a really cool bobblehead, by the way. We have one right here. Um, so it's all happening courtesy of the Brooklyn Cyclones. Four o'clock, Jewish Heritage Day this coming Sunday. It's supposed to be great weather. Enjoy, everybody. 
get out there and enjoy. And also, I remind everyone, we are in the midst of our spring fundraiser. Uh, everybody out there who wants to see JM and the AM and the Nahum Siegel Network continue to flourish, we ask that you become a partner of ours by giving generously. Uh, go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. If you're a fan of the weekly update of Rabbi Yudin, of all the wonderful things that we do every single week and every single day here at JM and the AM and the Nahum Siegel Network, all we ask is that you dedicate some of your uh, charity dollars to us. Give generously at fjbunity.org fjbunity.org. This time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Baaloscha. Parshas Baaloscha is a very rich parsha containing many different themes. It begins with the lighting of the menorah that Aaron and the other Kohanim were commanded to so do. Rashi tells us this is because Aaron was dejected and uh, that he was not included, his tribe, in the end of last week's parsha of the gifts to the sanctuary, Hashem says to Aaron, for you, your part is even greater than theirs. You will light the menorah, understood by the Ramban to mean not only as long as we have a Beis Amigdash, but also referring as well to the lighting of the Hanukkah menorah, which came about through the Kohanim, the Hashmonoyim. You have in this week's parsha. Pesach Sheni, those who could not participate in the first Pesach in the 15th of Nisan and bringing the carbon on the 14th of Nisan, if they are impure or a, at a great distance, they're given a second chance. Pesach Sheni, we're told of the special public address system that Moshe had in the desert the chatzotzros, the blowing of the trumpets, Moshe inviting his father-in-law, Yisro, to join them. No simanachnu, we are traveling to Eretz Yisrael. <coughs> then comes the two psukim of Ahibin Soa and of Anucho Yomar that we are familiar with. We recite them whenever we take the Torah out and return it to the Oron. These two verses are bounded by inverted nuns. There's an exciting Gemara in Shabbos 115b and 116a, which tells us that the book of Amidbar is really divided into three parts. These two verses are a book unto itself. And in the future... While the Torah will never be changed, these two verses will be returned to the beginning of the book of Bamidbar, where it speaks about the traveling of the Jewish people. Vahib and Soha Aron will fit in to the second chapter of Bamidbar. After that, we have several 
trying, challenging incidents. The people complain about the diet. Moshe is given the Sanhedrin. At the end of the parsha, you have the Lashon Hara that Miriam and Aaron speak about Moshe. And it is there that Hashem teaches Miriam and Aaron and the rest of the Jewish people for all eternity of the uniqueness of Moshe and that the level and quality of his nevuah is different from all other prophets. I'd like to <coughs> focus on the Haftorah that we're going to read this Shabbos. It happens to be also the Haftorah for Shabbos Hanukkah and the um, it comes from the book of Zechariah, it begins in second chapter, verse 14, and it goes till the fourth chapter, verse 7. Now, the question, first of all, is the rabbis tell us that the Torah was instituted because there was a time when the Jewish people could not, were forbidden by the government to read the Torah. So the rabbis selected a passage from the scriptures which would remind them of the theme, or one of the themes, of the Torah reading. So if I were to ask anybody, why are we reading this Haftorah, you're going to tell me, and you're right, that towards the end of the Haftorah, in the beginning of chapter 4, the Navi Zachariah is shown <coughs> an image of the menorah that would be in the second temple and therefore since the parsha begins with the lighting of the menorah you have the Haftorah dealing with the menorah and if that's your answer I cannot say you're wrong Rav Salvechik Zechron Levracha had a very exciting answer, and he says, wait a minute, the Torah, as much as tells us at the end of the parsha, as noted before, of the significant difference between the prophecy of Moshe, which is a pe'el-peh, God spoke to Moshe directly as one person would speak to another, and all the other prophets that had their prophecy, b'chalom, in a vision, Bamore, <laughs> in a dream. <laughs> now, the idea is that all the other prophets had what we call aspaklaria she'enu a vision what was not with, without absolute clarity. Moshe had aspaklaria ha absolute clarity. Now, by the way, you have to understand that when I say without absolute clarity for all the other prophets, the Rambam says, what do I get from the Akedah? Avram was told in a dream to take Yitzchak to the Akedah. Now, when Avram awoke that morning, he doesn't say, oy, 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 it must have been a nightmare. 
he's ready, willing, and able, and he does on the third day. He doesn't do it five minutes later to take the knife and bring Yitzchak as a karba. No. Three days later, he's still committed to this. There was absolute surety on the part of Avraham of the authenticity of his prophecy. But still, said Rav Salavechik, the reason why we read this Torah is to show that the Novi Zachariah, as great as he is, when he sees the vision, as we'll discuss in a moment, and he asks the Malach, what is it that I'm looking at? And the Malach says, come on, you know. And what does the Navi answer? No, I don't. Stop right there. That is the difference between the prophecy of Zechariah and all the other prophets and that of Moshe, who had absolute clarity and surety as one man would speak to another. That's the way Kaviyochel, Moshe, spoke to Hashem. Now, let's take a peek at the uh, Haftorah. The Nabi Zechariah <coughs> was one of the three prophets that were there at the time of the second base Hamigdash. In order to build a base Hamigdash, you need a Navi. Nasan Hanavi was there in the days of Shlomo, overseeing, telling the word of God regarding the first base Hamigdash. And Chagai, Zechariah, and Malachai were the three Nevi'im at the time of the second base Hamigdash. Now, the Navi Zechariah is shown a menorah, a uh, candelabra of seven branches, and it is, wow, Zahav Kula. It was entirely of gold, Vagula al Rosha, and a bowl on its top, Vishiva Nero Seha Oleha. And there are the seven branches of this menorah. I'm reading from chapter 4, verse 2 of the Haftorah. Shiva Vishiva Mutsokot Laneros. There were seven funnels, you can say, coming out of this bowl to each of the seven branches, namely leading to the uh, menorah and Ushnaim Zeisimolera. There were two olive trees that were standing next to the menorah. Echod mi minagula, v'echod al smola, and one to the right, one to the left. The from the olive trees came the olives. All this is being done by itself, without man's involvement. From the tree come the olives into the bowl. From the bowl comes the oil and comes the flow into the uh, menorah. So the Navi asks the Malach, what's going on here? And the Malach says, come on, you know. And the Navi says, no, I don't. What does it mean, no, I don't? Of course, the Navi knew what he was looking at. He was looking at the menorah made of gold, which represented great affluence. 
And he said, I don't know. This doesn't match. It doesn't match what we are now about to build the second base on Migdash, where they had great poverty. They didn't have a golden menorah. They had menorah made of seven iron posts, period. And of course he knew what ideally and symbolically the two trees were. The two (coughs) olive trees represented the two persons who are anointed with the olive oil, namely the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, and the king. In Bayashani, in the second base Hamigdash, there were neither nor. We didn't have a king. Unfortunately, halfway in Bayashani, the Chashmonoyim, Hanukkah time, took kingship uh, upon themselves. And that, the Ramban writes, was a terrible sin on their part. So we didn't have kingship in Bayashani, and we didn't have, um, you know, the Kohen Gadol as well. That position during Bayashani was a very challenging one. Every year, they had a change because they died. The quality of uh, the Kohen Gadol was a bought position. It was not that pristine, uh, special uh, position of Kohen Gadol that was in the first Beis Amigdash and, please God, in the future. So the Navi says, what's going on here? And the Malach says to him, you know. Now watch this. <coughs> the Briskarav in his Sefer on Torah, in Simon Kuf Ayin Tes, writes in the name of his father, Reb Chaim, a beautiful explanation citing the Rambam in chapter 6 of Hilchos Beis HaBchira, Halacha 16. And there, the Rambam teaches the following. Based upon the Talmud, there were two, quote, comings, or the Jewish people taking hold of the land of Israel. The first one was done in the days of Yoshua. Joshua conquered the land, and until the Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Bavel, conquered the land from the Jewish people, the land had its kedusha, had its holiness. Once the land was conquered, and unfortunately they, the Babylonians, uh, overruled, overran the land, the land lost its kedusha. When Ezra came back, that was Kedusha Shnia, the second sanctification of Ezra. That was Kitshula Shaita, that was for the moment, meaning for the days of Ezra, and Kitshula Asadlavo. That sanctity is for the future as well. And Ramam explains why. The first Kedusha of Yoshua based on Kibush, you conquered the land. When it's conquered from you, it's no longer yours. The second one was based on Chazaka. Namely, the Persians gave the Jewish people the right to rebuild the second Beis Migdash, And that was the focus. 
they rebuilt the second base of Migdash, and then they started settling around it, around it, and around it, and the sanctity of the base of Migdash kept spreading, spreading, spreading throughout, quote, the land itself. As you went further away, it had less sanctity, but the sanctity of the land came from the base of Migdash, which is the Shechina, and the Rambam writes, Shechina ain't betela. So what's going on here? The conversation between the uh, Navi and the Malach is, says the Navi to the Malach, it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit the second base Hamigdash. The Malach answers him, watch, that famous answer of, this is what you need to know. This is what you want to tell the leader of the Jewish people, Zerubbabel. Lo b'chayil, v'lo b'choach, ki imberuchi amar Hashem tzvokos. Which means, not through armies of conquest, and not through might, but through my spirit, says Hashem. Because my spirit is what led to the second sanctity of the land of Israel, this Kedusha is never broken. You are actually seeing not only what will be now, but you're seeing what's going to be, please God, in the third Beis Hamigdash. That was shown to the Navi Zechariah. This is read on Hanukkah, not just to remind us that there will be that third Beis Hamigdash, but it gives us this incredible excitement, a, a glimpse of what's going to be in the future, great prosperity, and as the... Um, Navi tells us that in <coughs> chapter 2 of Zechariah, verse 15, the Nilvo Goyim Rabbi Mel Hashem, there's going to be great conversions into the future. The whole world is going to recognize Hashem. They're going to recognize a special relationship between God and the Jewish people. So this Haftorah is what gives each and every one of us that incredible impetus that incredible dose of faith, of emuna, anima min, be'emunah shleimo, be'viyas ha'moshiach, there's going to be the coming of Moshiach, there's going to be the third Beis HaMikdash, please God, b'mheira b'yomeinu, Shabbat Shalom to all. Show us how you
Friday morning, a Shabbat in Liverpool with Shlach Rock, Erev Shabbos, Parshas Baloscha. Shlach, if you're in Israel, candlelighting at 8.10. 8.10 is candlelighting time, 12 minutes before 9 o'clock on this JM in the AM Friday morning broadcast. Mazal Tov to Cheski Tachman here on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Zufruf is this Shabbos to Leslie and to Rabbi Michael Tachman and, of course, to Marion and Benny and the entire family. We say Mazal Tov. From all of us here at JM in the AM. 
A lot of wonderful smachot going on, Baruch Hashem. The Kreindler and Gifter families are celebrating this Sunday. Hadassah and Avraham are getting married. I want to take this opportunity to wish a very special mazel tov uh, to, the, uh, to both families and, of course, an extra special mazel tov to, um, to uh, Listener Sina and Mr. Listener Sina, <laughs> both of whom are getting ready to celebrate. Hey, help Max Rose fight anti-Semitism. Be there this coming Sunday as Congressman Max Rose is being encouraged by all of us to have the leaders of the uh, United States House of Representatives remove uh, remove um, Elon Omar from the uh, powerful House Foreign Affairs Committee. Uh, help Max Rose. Be there 11 a.m. at uh, this coming Sunday at 8203 3rd Avenue in Brooklyn. 8203 3rd Avenue in Brooklyn. If you're on Staten Island or Brooklyn and Max Rose is your congressman, you can call him and give him encouragement to get this done. 718-667-3313. 718-667-3313. Mikva the Musical. Um, after a premier successful season in Israel, Mikvah the Musical is now for women only in the New York area. This Sunday at uh, Chazak Beth Gavriel on 108th Street and Forest Hills, Sunday night at 8 o'clock. Monday, apparently a show has been added for Teaneck. Tuesday at the Renoff Residence in Lawrence, that's Tuesday night. Uh, Wednesday at the National Opera Center in New York. Thursday at the National Opera Center uh, in New York. And the Sunday, uh, the 30th of June, to be announced. For information about all of this, mikvathemusical.com, mikvathemusical.com. Here on the Lower East Side of Manhattan, uh, Chazak, the Unusual of Manhattan, Eastside Torah Center, and Bialystoker Synagogue presents What Bracha Do I Make On? Understanding Iker Vitofel, by Zev Smith, author of What's the Halacha? and uh, prominent Magid Shir. Uh, we'll be giving this shear on understanding Iker Vitofel, what bracha do I make, uh, at the Bialystoker Synagogue this coming Monday, starting with Mincha at 8.15. Uh, that's this coming Monday in um, the Bialystoker Shul. Information 718-285-9132, 718-285-9132 for information. All right. And Rabbi Tarragon was supposed to join us. For some reason, he did not make contact with us. Um, but I do remind you that um, the Five Towns Community Collaborative Conference on Building Strong Families Together, presented by Yeshiva Akotel and Schools of Israel in conjunction with the communities here in the United States, happens at the Young Israel of Woodmere this coming Sunday with many, many, many distinguished speakers. Uh, I mean, the list is, is unbelievable, the, the speakers that are going to be there. And, of course, it's led by keynote speaker Rav Herschel Schechter, Rosh Kolel, at Yeshiva University. Uh, the collaborative conference, which uh, takes place after the keynote. First, you have the keynote. Then you have five different locations. And people like Rabbi Yisrael Kamenetsky, Rabbi David Foreman, Rabbi Ephraim Polakoff, Rabbi David Katz, Rabbi Lisa Septimus, Rabbi C. Sullengut, Mrs. Debbie Greenblatt, Rabbi Moshe Teitelbaum, Rabbi Tinshani Tarragon, Rabbi Isaac Rice, Rabbi Ruvain Tarragon, Dr. David Palkovitz, Rabbi Yehuda Kellmer, Rabbi Aviva Feiner, Mrs. C.B. Nugrashal, Rabbi Shalom Rosner, Mrs. Esther Wien, Rabbi Zev Meyer Friedman, Mr. Charlie Harari, Rabbi Eitan Feiner, Rabbi Hanoch Teller, Rabbi Arya Leibowitz, Rabbi Dr. Adina Schmidman, Rabbi Ira Wallach, Dr. Rononovic. All, all of them are going to be presenting in different sessions 
uh, that you can go to. If you go from 10 a.m. until Mincha, Mincha's at 124. If you go from 10 a.m. until Mincha, you could see five, here, five of the um, 25 speakers. Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Uh, information about all of that, I guess, log on to uh, yutorah.org. Oh, no, excuse me. It'll be available at yutorah.org for information. Um, do we have a uh, good information line? We have office at hakotel.org.il, office at hakotel.org.il. Looking for a better um, information. That's basically all we have at the moment. It's happening at the Young Israel of Woodmere this Sunday. It's OU sponsored as well. Enjoy. It really is an amazing conference about building our families and making them as strong as possible. Friday morning broadcast, JM and the AM. I am asking everybody in this audience who has not yet contributed to our spring fundraiser to please come forward. Please be part of an important fundraising effort to keep us going. Uh, you know, we have a variety, thank God, a variety of, uh, of financial um, uh, of, of ways to financially move forward. We have sponsors, advertisers, etc. One of the most important elements to keep this network going is listener support. And to, to those of you to whom it's important, for those of you who, um, who believe in our mission and want to see us continue succeed, to succeed, we ask that you please, please become a partner with us. Please, please go to fjbunity.org and contribute toward our uh, spring fundraiser. I think uh, I think you will appreciate the fact that JM and the AM and the Nachum Siegel Network will live on with great strength for uh, for its 36th year in a row. Uh, now all we ask is that you demonstrate that love, that you demonstrate that incredible devotion to us. Um, and the way to do that is to go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. Table for two with Naomi Nachman's coming up next. Then the encore presentation of the Arab Shabbos show with Mark Zamek, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Um, Harry Rothenberg's video blog at 1 o'clock. Arab Shabbos music mix coming up, sponsored by Kedem until candle lighting time. Saturday night single with Avrami tomorrow night. JM Sunday starts 7 a.m. Sunday morning with Matis. I'll tell you, our schedule is unbelievable. And, of course, Monday, JM and the AM starts at 6 a.m. Time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at JM and the AM.
Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world on the web at NachumSingle.com, on the NachumSingle Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing week for us here at JM and the AM. I want to thank all of you for tuning in and of course for spreading the word about JM and the AM. It's much appreciated. Those And the NachumSingle Network, those of you out there who are uh, uh, inclined to support our efforts, we Direct you to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. Please become partners with us. We have picked up a tremendous number of new listeners and new supporters over the last few weeks. Let us see that number grow. If you're in that category, please support us and become a partner here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Uh, as I said, full lineup today, including Naomi Nachman next. Tomorrow night, it's Avrami with Saturday Night Siegel. Mat this Sunday morning, starting at 7 a.m., with JM Sunday. Have a fabulous Shabbos, wonderful weekend. Don't forget the Brooklyn Cyclones, Jewish Heritage Day. See you at 4 o'clock this coming Sunday at MCU Park. Go to brooklyncyclones.com to get your tickets. Weather-wise, it's supposed to be an amazing day. Have a great Shabbos, wonderful weekend. till Monday, Nachum Segal reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.